Hey, this is Shane Valenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. So we're in the middle, we're kicking off a brand new series, our Christmas series called Bah Humbug. And bah humbug is a saying that's thrown around often this time of year. You know it. It's no surprise to you. It's thrown around when everybody, whenever anybody is feeling like a Scrooge or simply whenever somebody doesn't feel like doing something Christmassy. Uh, maybe you're just like not the Christmassy type of person. You're just like, this is a lot. And this is a lot of really decorations everywhere. Everybody's smiling at me. It's chaos going to the mall or going to Target or wherever. Uh, but if you've been around City on the Hill long enough for Christmas, then you know that I love Christmas. I'm a huge Christmas person. It's my favorite time of year. I'm all about Christmas. I get very excited, and I don't really like Scrooges, just so you know, okay? That's not my favorite type of people. But whenever somebody is annoyed by Christmas, I always wonder, who hurt you? Why are you so sad right now? What are you so upset about? Like, what happened to make you dislike Christmas? I don't, I don't understand, right? At, for you, how could you be in a bad mood this time of year? Look at the lights, right? Like, it, everything, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I don't understand how you could be in a bad mood during Christmas time. But the reality is, while many of us consider Christmas to be a happy time of year, it isn't always the case for everybody. Maybe, maybe Christmas reminds you of loved ones that you've lost over the years, or maybe even this year. Maybe you're stressed financially, and you just don't feel like you're able to, to get a lot of gifts for the people that you love or for your kids, and you're stressed out money-wise and about what you're going to do because you really want them to have a great Christmas, and, and you just can't afford it. Maybe, maybe you have to work on Christmas. My wife is a nurse, and so there have been Christmases where she has to work because the hospitals don't close, right? And maybe you have a job where it's the same way, and you're like, oh, I'm not looking forward to Christmas because while everybody else is having fun, I'm going to be working and, uh, and not having a good time or whatever it may be. Maybe you have strained relationships with your family and you're not looking forward to seeing family on Christmas and you're like, this is going to be uncomfortable and awkward and, and I'm not excited about this. Whatever it may be, this time of year is filled with people who are super excited and super joyful and then it's filled with people who are like, I don't know about this. And, um, but it's also filled with classic movies. Christmas is, uh, it, it, it's maybe, maybe the most classic Christmas movie is The Christmas Carol. You've seen it. You've seen different versions of it. There's a million different versions of The Christmas Carol. Um, I think of often the, the Christmas Carol in 2009, which was with Jim Carrey. Uh, maybe, maybe you've seen that movie. That's one that I kind of go to as like, oh, when I think of A Christmas Carol, that's the one that I think of. Maybe you think of The Muppets Christmas Carol in 1992. That one's also a, cla- a cinematic classic, right? It's a wonderful Christmas movie. And if you're like, oh, what Christmas movie can I watch with my kids? That's a great one. Maybe you think of Mickey's Christmas Carol in 1983. Can you believe that came out in 1983? Um, my, when my daughter Camden was younger, she would watch that on loop in June. And I was like, what is going, why are we watching Christmas movies in June? But she loved it when she was younger. 
But I, didn't, I found this out while doing research for, for the sermon today. The very first version, known version, of A Christmas Carol. Do you know when it came out? It's not called A Christmas Carol, but the very first known adaption of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol is a, is a, is a movie called Scrooge or Marley's Ghost in 1901. Yeah, it's a silent film in 1901. You can go look it up on YouTube, but this is a still frame from it. That's the very first known version of A Christmas Carol. So for over 100 years, there have been different versions of A Christmas Carol that have been made. All in all, there are actually 135 different known adaptions of Charles Dickens' famous novel that was written in 1843. I mean, there's some history for you there in regards to, to Christmas movie. And obviously, we all know the story, right? We all know about Ebenezer Scrooge. We know that he doesn't care about Christmas. He doesn't like Christmas, and he's miserable. I hope that you don't feel like a Scrooge today. I hope that's not where you find yourself. But if you do, you're in the right place, okay? Because we're going to try to fix you this month. <laughs> that's the goal. So the interesting thing is nobody intends to be a Scrooge. It's not like when you're a kid, you're like, when I grow up to be an adult, I'm going to be a Scrooge because I hate Christmas. Like, nobody wants that to happen by the time that you grow up. It just kind of naturally happens because life hits you in the face, because something happened in your life to put you in a bad mood that, that, that was difficult, and now you're frustrated, and now you're just kind of mad at the world. But people become that way over time, if you're beat down enough, where you're just like, I have a negative outlook on everything. So let's talk about Ebenezer Scrooge by first talking about his first name. So here's a picture of Ebenezer Scrooge from, from Jim Carrey's version, okay? Really miserable, really just negative, totally unhappy. But Ebenezer is not a name that we often hear in today's day and age, right? It's not like Somebody has a baby, they're like, oh, what'd you name him? Ebenezer. I have not met an Ebenezer in a long time. If your kid's name is Ebenezer, that's awesome, and I love it. But I haven't encountered anybody named Ebenezer in my lifetime. But and I'm also not sure how often it was used in 1843 when Charles Dickens wrote it. I would imagine more than today, but I don't know if it was a popular name at the time. But I do know that Ebenezer, the, the name Ebenezer and the word Ebenezer means something significant. The Merriam-Webster defines, dictionary defines Ebenezer as a commemoration of divine assistance. In other words, a reminder of what God has done. That's, that's really what the name Ebenezer means. And in the Bible, the word Ebenezer comes from 1 Samuel 7. It's a very important word in the Bible. See, in 1 Samuel 7, the Philistines had stolen the Ark of the Covenant, which, which, which is where the presence of God was held. It's a big deal. And the Philistines stole it from the Israelites, and the Israelites are shook. They don't know what they're going to do. They're panicking. They're like, what are we going to do? They literally stole the Ark of the Covenant. And at that point, the Bible tells us that the Israelites repented because they weren't necessarily living the best way. They weren't necessarily focused on God. They repented, and they turned their hearts back to the Lord. And because of that, they were then victorious over the Philistines, and they, and they reclaimed the Ark of the Covenant. And to commemorate their victory, the prophet Samuel, who we talked about last week in regards to David and Saul, but the prophet Samuel set up a stone monument and called it an Ebenezer, saying, for the Lord helped us. 
That's, that's where the word Ebenezer comes from. So an Ebenezer is a reminder of what God has done in the past, a reminder of what God is doing now, and a reminder of what God will continue to do in the future. It's no accident that Scrooge's first name is Ebenezer. Because if you know the story of a Christmas carol, he's visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And the word Ebenezer literally means God helped us in the past, is helping us now, let's remember that he will help us in the future. See, there, there's connection there. So this Christmas season, I want, to, I want us to understand the fact that God was, that God is, and that God always will be working in your life. Because it's easy to forget. It's, it's easy to lose sight of what God has done. And there's a lot of times people would say in the Bible, raise your Ebenezer. Remember. Remember what God has done. Let's, let's commemorate that. Let's be, may we be reminded of how God has provided every step of the way. Why would we doubt him now? He's always provided. Because guess what? You've made it this far. You're here, you're still living, you're still breathing, so that means God is still working. God is still providing every step of the way. But if you're here today and you just aren't feeling it, you're just not feeling the Christmas spirit, the Christmas joy, let's try to figure out how we can remind you about how we should be filled with joy, with hope, with thanksgiving. That's the goal for this series. That's the goal for for this month. So this time of year... There's always a person that's standing outside of your grocery stores or standing outside of Target or wherever. I went to the mall the other day to Bass Pro Shop with the kids, and this same person is standing outside of Bass Pro Shop. You know the person, right? They have a red vest on, they've got a bucket set up, and they're ringing a bell like their life depends on it, right? And you walk by, and it's just loud, right? It it can be freezing cold, and this person is outside of a store ringing a bell, standing next to a bucket where people can drop off a donation to support their local charity or or to support the Salvation Army. It's It's a great way to raise money. And these people who stand outside with the bell are dedicated, right? They're dedicated. They don't stop. They don't stop ringing. Now, they may take a, take a break where they sit down, but they're still just sitting there ringing this bell. And you walk in and out of the stores, and you're like, man, this person is still going at it. And they're, they're hoping that their charity, which is the Salvation Army, they're hoping that it will benefit from the spirit of generosity that happens this time of year. This is a generous time of year, is it not? It's a time, well, this whole season is really built around being generous. And you know what's interesting about the bell ringers? Even if they make us feel, even if they make you feel a little uncomfortable, or if they're like blocking the entrance and you're like, oh no, I have to make eye contact with this person as I walk by, hopefully, at least I don't, um, I, we never really get mad at them. And if you do, then that's, you're really a Scrooge, right? <laughs> if you do. But we don't really get, they, they may be loud, they may, the bell may be annoying, they may be blocking the way, but we're not necessarily mad at them because we know, well, they're doing something good, right? Like they're trying to raise money to help support other people. No one shoves them out of the way. No one, no one wishes that they weren't there. It would be weird if they weren't there, right? Like it wouldn't really feel like Christmas if you walked in and out of stores and you didn't see them. They're, they're a part of the Christmas season. And we like it when we see people helping people, especially this time of year. 
But even if you aren't very generous, there's something inside of you that probably wants to participate in some way. Maybe you don't feel like you're a very generous person, but this time of year, it kind of brings it out of you. I mean, we're collecting uh, you know, stuff for, for Angel Tree to donate to other kids. See, there's, there is something uncomfortable about generosity sometimes that we don't like to say aloud. Sometimes it makes us a little bit uneasy. When somebody's asking you for something, we try to avoid eye contact. We, 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 don't, we try to slide by unnoticed. And in fact, some of you are probably sitting here right now already uncomfortable because you're like, oh no, what is he going to ask me? What is he going to ask me to do? Good news is, I already asked you. It's the dividers, right? But anyways, <laughs> I already asked. <laughs> but you're probably sitting there like, okay, he's setting us up. What's he going to ask us to give to now? He's talking about generosity. He's gonna, it's going to only end in one way, right? An opportunity <laughs> to feel the spirit of Christmas by giving. It can only end one way, right? Let me put your mind at ease. I'm not going down that road, okay? But it, there's, it makes us uncomfortable. Now, it's a little bit more acceptable during Christmas, right? We accept the bell ringers. We accept generosity because it's what, it's what this season is built around. But if you saw a bell ringer in like March, you'd be like, ah, uh, you're a few months late. You had an opportunity in Christmas. It's not Christmas anymore, so I ain't giving, right? It, you, you missed it. As if we can only give one time of year. As if we can only focus on it this time of year. But there's still something inside of us that feels a little bit nervous whenever the subject of generosity comes up. The whole idea of generosity oftentimes comes with a lot of guilt. And we can feel guilty because, one, maybe you just don't have a lot to give. You're like, what can I do? I don't, I'm barely scraping by. I, don't, I, I can barely provide for my family, and now you want me to be generous to other people? There's guilt involved. Maybe we don't, maybe we just simply don't care as much as we think, as, as much as maybe we should. You, you would never admit this, but you may sit there and you may just say, I don't care. I know that there are other people who are in need. I know that other people could, could, could use some help, but I, I just don't really care. There are people like that. Maybe we have nice things and we notice that, that the need, when we notice that there are needy people around us, it reminds us that other people don't have what we have, so you feel guilty. And there's that, there's that guilt piece that comes in and you're like, well, I'm kind of well off and not everybody is, and so I, I feel bad that other people don't have what I have. Or whenever, whenever you give, maybe just feel like it just isn't a whole lot. Whatever it may be, generosity can, can bring in some guilt involved. It just seems to kind of pop up this time of year, guilt. So is there a way to enjoy the season of giving without feeling like it's a season of guilting? Is it even possible? See, even before Christmas was a thing, people felt the same way about giving. Kind of uncomfortable. Kind of uneasy. And the Bible is clear that God wants his people to give to others. Let me just tell you this. You cannot be a Christian and not have a spirit of generosity. They're hand in hand. If you're a stingy person, if you only care about your, and I'm not just talking about money, 
But if you only care about yourself, if you're only focused on you, then you've missed out on the entire thing of being a follower of Jesus, which is selflessness. There's no such thing as a stingy Christian. It's an oxymoron. But the sad part is the church has been known for being stingy, has it not? Now, not all churches. And and from my perspective, not our church. I believe that we have a very generous church as evidenced by the presence in the back right now and by Serve Week and all the things that we've been doing over the last month. But the Bible is clear. We're going to be a follower of Jesus. We have to be generous. And when we look at the Christmas story, there's one thing that we discover right away about God. And it centers around one idea, which is God's generosity. God gave. And here's, here's the cool part. Here's the cool part. See, God didn't start by asking for our generosity. God started by demonstrating his. That, that's what God did. And the most famous verse in all of Scripture, that even if you've never read the Bible before, you've heard this verse somewhere along the way with John 3.16, it talks about how God gave everything. It isn't necessarily your traditional Christmas passage, but it, is described, it, it describes what God has done for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See, before the whole Christmas story, God decided to give and give and give and give and give abundantly, and it wasn't out of guilt. No, he didn't have to give. He wasn't pressured or persuaded or reluctant about giving, but he gave out of joy and love, for he chose us. For God so loved the world that he gave have you ever given to a person or, or to a cause before? Not out of guilt. Not out of guilt. But because you wanted to, why did you do it? What, what, what persuaded you? Right? Maybe that's the wrong word. What led you to give? My guess is, is because you either knew or you understand the story of the person or the organization or the cause that you were giving to, and it simply moved you. It became personal to you. You heard what was actually happening. You, happening. you heard the story. You heard somebody's situation, and it moved you. And because it moved you, you decided to give. See, their need became personal to you. And we're, we're more inclined to give when a family in your neighborhood loses everything to a house fire. Why? Because you know them because you have a relationship with them, because, because it's personal, you're connected. But when the cashier at Target asks you for money for a cat shelter, the urge isn't as strong because it's not personal and because it's about cats. And you're, like, <laughs> you're like, who cares about cats? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. There's all the <laughs> oh, that's the most angry I've seen our church. <laughs> Maybe cats are the personal thing, right? But you're like, when, when you're checking, I'm sorry, Heather, geez. When you're, checking out, when you're checking out at a store and they say, hey, do you want to round up? It's like 30 cents. And you're like, nope. Why? Because it's not personal. It's not personal. 
And maybe you're like, well, this is just ridiculous. Everywhere that I go, they ask me for something. They ask me for an organization that you volunteer in, and you go and you experience the difference that they are making. It then inspires you. It then moves you to go. See, the difference between feeling generous and feeling guilty is one that's personal. That's the difference. That's, that's, that's the whole difference. When it comes to generosity and guilt, it's based on whether or not it's personal. You're more likely to give and you're more likely to do more when you know the story. There's no way around it. And the same thing is true of God and Christmas. See, God gave his son because it was personal for him. It became personal. He looked at the world He looked at his creation, and he said this, you matter. Your story matters. Who you are matters. And because you matter to God, God gave. When something matters to you, you give. You give what you can. doesn't mean that it's all on your shoulders doesn't mean that you are the end-all, be-all. You may not even have a dollar in your bank account to give, but you could take a Saturday morning. You could, you could take an evening. You could, you could help in any way that you can because everybody has something to offer, amen? And when something matters, then you'll do something about it. But if it doesn't matter to you, you're not really going to do anything about it. God didn't start by saying, hey, give, 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 give. No, he started by saying nothing. And he himself giving. The greatest gift in the world. See, God doesn't ask us to do something that he is not the example of. Every step along the way, Jesus is the example. God shows us the way. God does something before he asks something. And generosity is just that. He demonstrated it. God gave because he saw potential in you. God gave because he saw who you could be, because he saw what you could do, because he saw the hope that he had in your life, because he loves you. Simple enough. That's the reason why God gave. If God did not see hope in you, then he wouldn't have given. But he knows. He knows the hope that is there. He knows the potential that is there. And he made the most generous offer that humanity will ever know. The most generous offer. John 3.16 could easily be read like this. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. That's how we should really read it. And it's not meant to be selfish. It's meant to make it personal. It's meant to make it about you so that you understand what God did for you and that you can then show that same spirit of generosity that we talk about at Christmas time and show it to the world and show it to the people around you and not get tired of being generous, not get tired of giving, not get tired of going above and beyond for other people because that is why we're here to support, to love, to bring glory back to the creator. And the way that we bring glory back to him is by stop being selfish and laying our lives on the line and saying, okay, whatever I can do to help somebody else, I want to do. Whatever I can do to lift this person up, that's what I want to do. 
Get, we got to get our own selfish desires out of the way. And the Bible tells us, die to yourself daily, pick up your cross, and follow me. And it's not an exciting verse. It's not necessarily a feel-good verse. But God's not in the business of just making you feel good. God's in the business of changing your life so that you can be the best person that you could possibly be and so that you could show the love of God to the rest of the world so that other people could then discover that same love that you found. That's what it's about. I mean, that's why generosity at Christmas time is so very important. And if you're just not feeling it, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to give. I'm not going to ask you to be generous out of guilt. But I do want you, at the very least, to be amazed at what God has done for you. To be amazed at the gift of Jesus Christ and what he actually is. See, Christmas is wrapped up in God's present of generosity in our lives. Now, we're really good about making it about us, are we not? We're really good at it. I mean, if you give the wrong present to your kid and it's not exactly what they wanted, then all of a sudden, it's like, oh no, Christmas is ruined, right? Hopefully you don't experience that in your house, but I know families who have. So I'm not going to ask you to give anything specifically, but I am asking you to realize how deeply God cares for you and hold up your Ebenezer. Recognize what he's done in the past. Recognize what he's doing right now. And believe in that and what he will do in the future. If you, if, if you feel like you're a Scrooge, if you feel like you've lost the spirit of Christmas, the number one way to, to get it back is to give. Now, we don't give to get, we give because it's our privilege, we give because it's an act of worship. We give because it's reflecting who Jesus is. And if you give with the heart of, oh man, I can't wait for this to pay off, you're missing it. And guess what? You've received your reward in full already. But if you give with no strings attached, in our world, that's not a thing, is it? That's not a thing. People, there's always a catch. There's always something to pull me back. And that's why, I, and I understand, why many people are suspicious of this whole Christianity thing. Surely, surely there's something that they want. Surely they only want me to come to church so that they can get something from me. Surely God only wants a relationship from, with me so I can provide something for him. Because that's the way our world works. But it's not the way God works. We have trouble accepting it because it simply sounds too good to be true. But when you give a gift, give it with no strings attached. Give it with the heart of generosity. Get yourself out of the way and trust in Him and know that God is always working. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we close. And 
You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, especially around Christmas time, obviously, I was always, and every kid is, right? You're focused on, oh man, I got to write my Christmas list. I got to get, I got to get my stuff. I'm, I, all that I'm looking forward to is Christmas morning, opening up my presents, seeing what I got, enjoying the presents that I got, all that sort of stuff. And I remember thinking as a kid when I would hear other people say, man, I just love giving gifts more than receiving gifts. I remember being like, what a freak. That person, I don't understand. Why? You, you would prefer to spend money, wrap it, and then give it away? Okay, if, if you want to give, I will receive. Thank you, right? I, I didn't understand. And then as I've gotten older, and uh, I'm 35, and then as I've gotten, as, as I have kids and those sort of things, and even before kids, I was like, oh, this is great. There, this is awesome. I, I think I get more joy out of giving something to somebody else that they really enjoy than I do about receiving something. And, and st- I still like to receive gifts. They're great. Who do- I mean, who doesn't like to receive gifts? Some people are really terrible at receiving gifts. And if that's you, knock it off. But anyways, if you, if, if you feel like, oh, I'm not so good at re- you are right. We talked about this in our small group this week on, on Tuesday night. Some people are so terrible at receiving something that they take away the joy from the person who's giving it. Because we just can't accept. So that's a whole nother sermon in and of itself where we have to learn to accept and receive. We all should be, should be focused on giving. So if you're just not feeling it, if you're just not in the Christmas spirit, if you're just saying bah humbug all day, the way you change it, the way to turn the corner is by giving, it's by being generous. Let's stand and let's sing together.